uh, prophecy that came through Rodney. I would like to respond to that. First, I'm going to say it was spot on, okay? But I, I saw something different than I think that I ever saw before about one of the things. Um, I, for starters, um, he said something that I believe for, a, I think, since I was beginning to read the Word of God. And, uh, but it's not something that a lot of people do believe. And that is that God needs us. You know, God doesn't need anybody. Wrong. I believe. He does. Uh, if for no other reason than, than to say, Jesus is God. And, um, I heard an illustration. I think it was Bob Mumford. Uh, he was talking about um, Adam and Eve. And he said that Adam was alone. And for you young people out there that are looking for a, a helpmate, helpmate, meet, then um, you can consider that it wasn't Adam's idea that he have a help me. It was God that saw that he it was not good that he should be alone. That was God that saw that, not Adam. And uh, I get around about Adam when he says, the woman that you gave me wasn't my idea to get her in the first place, you know. Um, but uh, it's God, it's God's timing. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be available, but uh, if you're single. But when he saw that God, Adam was alone, not good that he should be alone, he put him to sleep. And he pulled out of his cavity his abdomen, 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 a rib close to his heart not not from his head that she could lord it over him not from his foot that he could walk on her but from his closeness to his heart a rib and he made a woman out of the rib and there's a lot of things you can see from that but one of the things is is after he made and you know another place uh Male and female made he them. Before Adam was put to sleep, he had uh, God. He was created in the likeness and the Im image of God. And he was, if you can handle this, Adam was, had in him male and female. God opened his side up, pulled the rib out, and now Adam is no longer male and female. He made God made the woman out of the rib. And so Adam is now only half the image of God. That with the woman the two shall become one flesh. And become, at that point, before Adam's sin, in the likeness of God. And so, <clears throat> of course, we know that Adam rebelled and sinned. But when the second Adam comes around, which is Jesus, he's also called the last Adam. And so... God the Father says it's not good that you should be alone. So he puts his son to sleep, opens up his side, the spear, reaches in and takes a rib from the second Adam, and he creates his bride, the church. And so now Jesus 
is no longer complete. And I can show you scriptures. He, well, I'll just tell you. And he says that he finds his fullness in us. Literally, the word fullness is completeness or completement. He finds he is complete with us. Apart from us, he has made himself and God has made him incomplete. So until he gets his bride back, God needs us. Hello? Do you understand that? And so when Rodney was prophesying that God needs us, because we were singing that we wanted God and we need God. Well, you can't outlove God. You can't love God first either. You can only love God as you receive that love. And with that love, there is God wants you. And he needs you. And then there, but there's one correction. This is what I'm going to come to uh, seeing for the first time. You know, I've heard this, that if you were the only one, God would have sent his son to die for you. And I just saw something different there. First time. That you are the only one that he died for. Do you understand what I'm saying? How, how, how can that be? Well, because God is God. And you know something else? You know, God has called us to be mystics. A lot of people don't know that. You hear that word mystic and boom. But you know what the word mystic means? If you look it up in the dictionary. Someone who believes and seeks the supernatural. That can go off into sin in a wrong direction. But if you're seeking God and you're seeking the supernatural, that's what God wants. He wants us to be like that. Put up, put up Proverbs 29, verse 18, please. Hallelujah. I've written some things down, which is... uh, That means, uh uh-oh, for you. Okay. Excellent. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Trying to get my glasses out without making so much noise. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. I've got my tablet or pad or whatever you call it. iPad. iPad. No, me pad. <laughs> and I'll just read you some other translations, okay? Without revelation instead of vision. This is from the CSB. Uh, forgive me if I don't tell you all these letters stand for. But this is a CSB. Without revelation, people run wild. People perish. That's what King James says. One who follows, he says, without revelation, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Did you catch that? You catch the difference? One that keepeth the law happy as his. Is he? This is a New King James, which is an excellent translation, by the way. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. NIV, excellent translation. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. You say, some say people perish. Some say people run wild. Some say cast off restraint. Some say uh, vision. Some say revelation. Um, ESV, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But But blessed is he who keeps the law. Okay. 
I want to read you one of my favorites. All right. Now, if you may be, uh, I, I need a little help with the interpretation of this particular scripture. This is one of my favorites. I don't even know what this is called, what this means, but it's the, let's see, I lost it for a minute. It's the L-U-T. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Woken Western Gung List. Where does Woke Wilded West Wal Ebur 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 Tem Der Das Jezet Habitat? <laughs> Sounds like German. <laughs> I bet. I bet if there were some German teachers in there, they might disagree with you. <laughs> You laughed at more, her joke more than you laughed at any of my jokes at any time. Well, then I guess I, I have to say thank you for complimenting my uh, accent in there. But, you know, the people run wild that, and, and they cast off restraint if you have no vision, if you have no progressive vision, if you have no revelation. And, um, you know, Benjamin Franklin, who was a, a, a deist, you know what a deist is? That's a guy who believes in God, but he's just up there. Not much, he doesn't much care about what we do. He just gave us the earth and, you know, you just do what you want to with it, you know, and, you know, but he doesn't really, you know, isn't sovereign and all these things. On the other hand, George Whitfield, when he was in town, Benjamin Franklin never missed a service. And he used to, when he would go to the service, he would get so moved that he would take out all of his money out of his pockets and put in the coffer. And then after a while, he decided that he was going to take his money out of his pockets and leave it at home because, you know, uh, he'd... <laughs> He got so moved, at least he wouldn't be tempted to give everything he had in the coffer. So he says, um, but the funny was, is it didn't do any good because he borrowed people's money to put in the coffer. Some of you may know a little bit about George Whitfield. Um, if you want to Google sometime, George Whitfield and the Wesleyans, the Wesleys, Charles and John Wesley, very, very close friends. And then later they pulled away from each other, and Charles Wesley wrote a poem, which is absolutely beautiful. It's very long, and it's about how we should not, we, we should be friends to uh, preach the gospel and to, you know, we shouldn't be divided. Okay, where there's no vision, the people perish. Benjamin Franklin said, if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you fail to plan, then you're, fa the, the, you're planning to fail. I have a little something. We pray a prayer frequently from the third chapter of Ephesians. And it talks about praying of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named after the Father. It actually means all of fatherhood in, in heaven and earth is named after our Heavenly Father. And they, in the prayer, he prays that we be filled with the fullness of God. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And so... I got a, a picture of this yesterday that uh, we don't understand. We Christians don't really get the significance of that and the impact of that. Because to dwell means to live. Now we're in Christ when he's buried, crucified, buried, raised again. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. 
That's one concept or theme of what God did through the resurrection. But then he also wants Christ to live in us. To live in us, it, it's, uh, it means, you know, it doesn't mean, I got a picture of the Holy Spirit and Jesus sitting at a table, each having a phone in front of them. They're just sitting there. And the phone rings. Uh, and the Holy Spirit starts to reach for his. And Jesus says, no, no, it's mine. Hello? Uh, no, no, I don't want any of those things. Never mind. And I'm on the no-call list. Please don't call again. Wait and wait and wait and wait. Ring, ring. Hello? No, this is the wrong number. Sorry. That isn't living. That may be he's inside of you, but you don't, you know, living. I believe this. One of the best gifts and worst gifts that God has ever given us is time. The best, the worst. Every moment that we are not conscious of Christ living in us is a moment that's wasted. I was even going to Google that song. I, I don't even know this song very well, but I just, the, the, one of the lines in it just captivated me, and I kind of figured where it was going anyway. But it's old country song, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights, you know. And I think it's talking about going out drinking myself. But anytime you are not aware of God in your life, of Christ in your life, those are wasted moments. And I've wasted a lot of them. Even the, ever since I've become a Christian, I just think of a lot of time. It doesn't mean, it, it just means that you know he's here. You're including him. It's like talking in a conversation and you're talking to one person, another person comes in and you include them too. But it's included. Now, I was trying to call Bishop Callahan because I joined the MMFI, call it a network. And I was trying to call him and I left him a few messages because we just kind of played phone tag. And then I called a couple others, same thing, and Frankie. and But they would call me back and leave messages on my phone, so that's how we were getting. And then they sent me this, because the, the, the message that I left is, I'm like, what's your vision for 2018? Boy, this is weird. Hey, hey. What's going on? Okay. What's your vision for 2019? And before, he could not possibly have sent this out in response to that. But, it, but I got it in the mail. Well, gosh, I, I, I got to be, it was sent to my wife's uh, email address. That's mail, right? Okay, it's got several pages here, which are really, you know, I enjoyed this whole thing. But it, it's, it, my point is, it was like he was responding to my request when this is clearly something that was already ready to send and they'd already sent it. So there was a confirmation there in mind. You got that? For the new year, God has been speaking to me about theme for the year. And I believe he is encouraging us to embrace this thought. Live life intentionally. A sure word that will fill us up many times throughout the year. We will learn how to fill up our lives, not just our calendars. We will be challenged as to why we do certain things as the church in our 
or as our people, as the church, or as a people. I believe that all that we all desire to make a difference in our ministry and desire to leave a legacy of significance, let's embrace this word for 2019 and see how God blesses us. Live life intentionally. Breathe it. Speak it. Give it. I look forward to sharing more on this topic with you throughout the year. Once time at Promise Keepers, the speaker says, said something about we sing our, uh, Christians sing our lies. Sing our lies. And his point was make, that he was making that when we sing songs, I mean, where you, do, you, do you listen to yourself? Sometimes I don't listen to myself. And I find my mind wandering. And I come back. But I want to, you know, I, I, I listen to myself saying, you're all I wanted. You're all I ever needed. You know, we sing the songs. And, but I don't know how much we mean it. One of my songs, one of my prayers for me, I brought the words to it, even though I know them, but I won't mess up if I look at it. Actually, Rodney printed this out for me because I couldn't remember the last verse. Anyways, it was written by Ted Sanquist. And uh, if you don't know who he is, um, I don't know if he's still pastoring uh, over at Ithaca Covenant Love. Um, but that's where he come from, came from. Um, it's called Worthy of My Days. You know what that means? Worthy of my time. Worthy of my thoughts. I already said that I want to think about God. I want to try to think about God as much as he thinks about me. Not possible. But when Paul says in the third chapter of, of uh, Philippians, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Then he goes on to say, I count not myself to have apprehended. And so I, I clearly say, we said, I was doing Psalm 139 last week, and one of the verses is, um, such thoughts are too wonderful for me to comprehend, you know, to understand. It is high, and I cannot attain unto it. The thoughts that God has for me. I, I can't tell it's, it's like you reach for it. You press for it. And I got to say, I, 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 I'm pressing. Like I said last week, it's the journey. that really matters. But God thinks of us every second. Every second. There's not a second that you're alive that he isn't thinking of you. You know, another, you want to get another one. Everybody, how many of you have heard that it was our sins that nailed him to the cross? I've heard it many, many times. I've said it many, many times. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was made sin with our sin. But within the last month or two, I, I may have shared this, but I don't recall sharing this. Because I, also, I wondered if he could be even received. Um, but I saw something in the spirit. It may not, it's not, may, I'm not saying it happened literally, but spiritually. It says in Isaiah 53 that God, that it pleased God to bruise his son. And we know that Jesus said, you're not taking my life. I'm lay, I lay it down freely. But that word bruised in the, in the Hebrew, and it's, used, it's used several times, means to pierce through. It pleased the Father 
to pierce his son. How is that possible, no matter how you look at it, except this? It's in Hebrews 13, how it says, um, 13, 12, 12. It says this, it said, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, that's, that's a contradiction to when he was praying in the garden, great drops of blood, and saying, if this cup could pass from me, Father, there's a contradiction. It's, but they're both are true. Being separated from the Father is what was really tough for him. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And for our, because God loves us, and I saw this in the Spirit, I saw as Christ was laying on the cross, the spike put in his hand, and the Father driving that spike through his own son's hand. Please the Lord to bruise him, to pierce him. I also think it just completely almost destroyed him, the Father. Now, God's God. But the worst and best gift that he has given us is time. And you know what that time is for? That time is for him. And that's what this song means, worthy of my days. The chorus is, you alone are worthy God of power and glory. You alone are worthy of my days. You alone are worthy God of power and glory. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will make my life a psalm for you. I sing this to the Lord all the time. I will make my life a psalm for you. I will make my life a song for you. And sometimes I change this around. I say, Lord, make my life a song for you. You can't do this without God. You can't. But he will help you. It's like like the, the woman at the well. He says... Where do we where do we seek God in the in the in Jerusalem? You say Jerusalem, we do it in the hills. And he says, There comes a time when you will neither go to Jerusalem or the hills to seek God, but you will seek, you will worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to do this. God seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so it's a both, I, I will do it, and God, do it through me, for me. So he says this, you alone, or honestly, I will make my life a song, psalm, for you. I will fill my lips from the cup of truth. King of life, I choose to walk your way. You alone are worthy of my days. Now there's a word that I think I may have shared here. I, I forget where I share things because I do a lot of that lately. And um, there's a word, I pronounce it antinomy. Pastor Norm pronounces antim- antinomy. Glad I thought about that because I want to share something. If, for those of you who know who Carol Hebern is, she's in the hospital, Bassett, fighting for her life. And so, uh, pray for her. Her daughter daughter is Dorothy. Uh, Dr. Davidson, Dorothy Davidson. And uh, you see him here a lot on on Anchor. And so, uh, pray for her and pray for uh, the Davidsons. Uh, Amy, I don't know if she made it here. I guess she made it here for the children's church. But Amy and Dennis were with them till 
2.30 in the morning praying with them. So pray for them. Lord, help them right now. Help, help Carol uh, Hebern and help the families and just baptize them in your love right now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Carol Hebern came... She's been a Main Street Baptist person for most of the time, but she came here for a while. And very devoted believer. This. And again, I will say, Lord, make my life a psalm for you. Lord, fill my lips from the cup of truth. And this one, I choose to walk your way. This is that antimony, as Norm pronounces it. That when two things seem to be in contradiction, and yet they are true, both are true. That's called an antimony. And that's, this is one of those things. The question is, did God choose you, or did you choose God? Yes, both are true. That's an antinomy. And so when it says, I choose to walk your way, you're also knowing that you couldn't do that if he hadn't chose you first. Jesus said that many times. You haven't chosen me. I've chosen you. I came first. And so when you say, I will do anything, it's but for the grace, it's for the grace of God. You can't do it any other way than through his grace. This is a verse I really like. When you knock, I'll open wide the door. That takes, that comes from uh, Revelation, the third chapter. When you knock, Jesus says, I'll knock, open the door. I, I always remember Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. I call heaven and earth record this day against you. I set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Or Joshua who says, hey, right now you've got a choice to make. You can go and worship the Egyptians that are on the other side of the flood. Or you can go worship with the Amorites whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We choose the Lord. He doesn't want to make you do anything. You know, one of the things I'm battling with right now, and I'm just being real and truthful. Paul said, I've quoted it already, Philippians 3, where he says that I may know him with you, Paul, right there. And the power of his resurrection. Amen. Preach it, brother. And the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I saw this sitcom one time. I've actually never seen the show. But you know when they advertise something that... Did you know this thing's going in and out on me? Or it's just me? It's going in and out on me. It's not just me. Okay. Pardon me? Should I put it up closer? It's up here. I don't do it. Oh, the metal? Okie dokie. We'll work on it. We'll get it. What was, oh, the sitcom I saw. I, I, did, I saw the commercial of it. You know how they so... Oh, have, I don't even know, I, I recognize one of the actors, and he's pretty famous, but I don't know his name. And it was a couple that were learning how to be married and live together. That's what I understood. And uh, he, she was wanting him to help more with the uh, work of the house and cleaning the house and washing dishes and what have you. And so he's saying, you know, well, I'll do it. But I, I don't want to. And she says, well, I want you to want to. 
And he says, why would I want to? Why would I want to do that? It's like, I have that same reaction, like, God, why would I want to to know the fellowship of your suffering? I mean, you already did it, you know, so that I wouldn't have to do it. And so I'm like, I'm working on that, God. I'm working on that. Because Paul says that, and I know he got whipped five times, 39 stripes. Five times. You know, most people faint when they watch Jim Caviezel do it on, uh, in, on the, in the Passion, you almost pass out. It's hard to, hard to watch. Five times he got 30. Thrice he got beat with rods. Any one of those eight things could easy, you could, you could, it's amazing you could live through it. Twice he was stoned. Twice uh, spent the night treading water in the sea. And it goes on and on and on, the things that he suffered for. And then what really, really gets me is, above all, the care of the church. Uh, Above all? (laughs) I'll take all the care of the church on me before I do any one of those things voluntarily. But he's like, I want to know the fellowship of your suffering. But you know why? Why? Because, see, here's something. We have been predestined. That doesn't mean predetermined. It doesn't have to happen. This is what God wants to happen. But you see, we got that little thing called free will. And we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That includes the fellowship of his suffering. The word passion, or the origin of the word passion, it was only in the fourth century that the word passion started meaning something like, I'm really in love with that person, I got a lot of passion, you know. Probably didn't say it that way, you know. Passion didn't mean that. Passion meant suffering. And it was exclusive in the beginning, for the suffering of Christ. And the one word that has never failed to keep its meaning was when you word passion, and we used it with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. And to be fellowship, his suffering, is to say, I want to be moved with compassion. Which means, I want to suffer in the spirit for other people. See, that's what that's talking about. But in reality, why would I want to do that? Well, Jesus says, if you find your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. That's right. When he says, take up your cross and follow him. Hallelujah. Doing, moving right along here. Okay, so God wants us to be moved with compassion. I know I shared a little bit of this last week. I've been listening to it over and over again. I really love this song. And sometimes I wonder about Neil Diamond. Because when I got out of the Navy and went home, on the bus ride home is the first time I ever heard a song by Neil Diamond. And the song was Traveling Salvation Show. Traveling Salvation Show. You know, pack up the babies and grab the old lady and everyone go, brother loves show. Hallelujah. Remember that song? Neil Diamond says, now, brothers, he starts preaching. Now, brothers, you got yourself two good hands. He says, take one of those hands and reach up to the Lord, because that's what he's there for. And you take the other hand and reach out to your brother. And, you know, so I, I that was the first song I ever heard him sing. So I'm like, I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, but I, it sounded like he knew something. And a lot of his songs, you know, I will make my life a psalm for you. He's got a song, Play Me. 
And of course, it's a love song. You are the words. I am the tune. You are the sun. I am the moon. Play me. Boy, you know, I I heard a whole sermon about how we're the moon or supposed to be the moon, which reflects the light of the sun. You are the sun. I am the moon. You are the words. I am the tune. Play me. Whoa, that's beautiful, isn't it? Well, the other day, I I have a time. I, I have some times. Sometimes I feel like rebelling against this, but sometimes I go to bed and I'm praying and I'm just, I dream about God all night long. And I think about him all day. I try to think about him all the time. And so I was, uh, I woke up and I just, just came out of my mouth. Hello, God. Good morning. You know, it's like they say, the, the uh, optimist gets up in the morning and he sees the sun rising and he says, Good morning, Lord. And the pessimist says, good Lord, it's morning. I said, good morning, Lord. I I love you. Uh, you, Like the song says, you're everything to me. You're all I need. All I need is you. And I was just saying, and then the song came to me, hello again, hello, you know. Neil Diamond's song, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Hello again, hello. I, I know this song, but I always go blank on some songs. Because I want to sing the version that I memorized, which was my own. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when you hear songs, you don't always understand them. You just make up words to it. And those are the ones you remember, you know. I just called to say hello. I couldn't sleep at all tonight. I know it's late, but I couldn't wait. Hello. And he's got this line in there that says, uh, Hello, my friend, hello. It's good to love you so. It's good to need you as I do and to feel this way. When you say hello, you know, just beautiful lines like that. And so I just started going over those lines. It's good to love you so. It's good to need you so. It's good to feel this way when you say to me hello. And I, I just, and I thought one of those songs, you know, that, that I, I used to listen to and feel like, oh wow, this is, this is one of the, saddest songs I've ever heard. And it was by Meatloaf, and he, he has this song where he says, uh, he's talking about a girl who says to him, I need you. I want you. But I could never, ever love you. But don't feel sad, because two out of three ain't bad. I am so glad that God doesn't love me two out of three. And I want you to know he wants more than two out of three from you. Hello? He wants us to love him with all our hearts. He wants us to need him. We have a hymn we used to sing. I need you, Lord. Oh, how I need you. Every hour I need you. I need him. I need him. I can't. I want him. And I'm talking to the Lord like this. I want you. I need you. I love you. I want to love you. I need to love you. I would love to need you. I would love to want you. I need to want you. I want to need you. You know, just mixing them all around and, and just saying, I need you, Lord. It's good to need you. It's good to love you the way I do. It's good. And I, I, I want to love him with all my heart. And so uh, I'm looking at the time and trying to decide where I go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We need you. We want you. We love you.
And three out of three is three out of three is great. <laughs> and you want us, and you need us, and you love us. And three out of three is really good. <laughs> it's really good. It's good to be loved like you do, and to hear you say hello. Well, you know, I, I think I shared this last week. The word hello. Go back to the origin of it. And here's here's here's. I'll end with this. It's funny, I had two pages here and I didn't do any of it. I'll save it for another time. Our Father who art in heaven. Now for starters, I, I Dr. Larry Lee of a mega church in the Fort Worth, Dallas area um, came up with this um, challenge to the church. And the challenge he took from the words of Jesus. When Jesus was going to pray at the, at the Garden of Gethsemane. And the challenge is this, is Jesus is praying, and then he goes back to Peter, James, and John, which he took with him. And they had fallen asleep. And he said to them, could you not even pray with me one hour? And so Dr. Lee came up with this challenge. Can you pray with God, to God, for one hour a day? And he took the Lord's Prayer. He says to do this. And he says, in which I believe, that when they said things in the Eastern, Middle Eastern culture, in the Hebrew culture, even though they were speaking Aramaic, and it was interpreted into Greek. When they said things, uh, when Jesus was teaching things, everybody knew that it was an outline rather than just what he said. And what you were supposed to do was to go out more on it. So when he said, our Father who art in heaven. You would just go on our Father. You know, maybe you can start with our. You know, how, how is it that God Almighty doesn't mind us claiming Him? He is my Father. He is our Father. And that's just one of His names. Uh, I heard it taped by Derek Prince one time. says that's that is not a common name. Although it is a common name and use it as we are called fathers. But the father that he's called, it's, a, it's the same word, but it was understood that that was the title that he possessed. So it was, it was more than that. So when, when you say our father, you are calling him a title just as if you were saying Lord or Yahweh or many of the compound words that God has names for. And you could go off just talking about the names of God. You know, you start with El, God. Elohim, the strong, strong, faithful one. El, the strong one. You know, there's so, and you just go from there. There's uh, uh, the Lord, our shepherd. That's a compound name. Lord, our, 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 our banner. Well, you could go on. But then you come to the next part, and this is something that I just read recently, and I don't know why I didn't see it before, but it seems it's pretty obvious to me now. And you get to the part where it says, Hallowed be thy name. The word hello comes from hallowed or holy. That word hallowed is the word for holy or sanctified. Hagios means set apart. But when you say it, and this is what I was reading in a little study, when you say it, it isn't just something that you're uh, that that uh, identifies the subject and proclaims what the subject is. For example, it says, "Holy is your name." Well, God is holy, and He wants us to proclaim that He is holy. But see, 
It doesn't end there it be, or begins there. It actually begins with when you say, hallowed be thy name. When you say holy is that it is not just saying something about God, but it's also saying something about you. That you're saying, God, you are holy to me. You see? It's like, because God is holy. Angels are up there crying right now. Holy, holy, holy is. But is he holy to you? Now, 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 now listen to this. He set, he is holy. And when we say it, we are acknowledging and believing that he actually has himself set himself apart. That's one of the definitions of hagios is set apart. Jesus said that about us. He says, I have, Jesus speaking, I have set myself apart for you. I have sanctified myself for you. Same word, sanctification, sanctified, holy, holiness. They're all the same word and root of the same words. It's just depending on how you're using it as a verb or whatever. And so when you say, hallowed be thy name, you are proclaiming, it's just like when you get saved. Do you know when you get saved according to Romans, the 10th chapter, when you believe, you can read it for yourself, when you believe that God has raised his son from the dead and you confess him to be your Lord. You know, he, guess what? It doesn't matter what you say, he is Lord. It isn't... Him being Lord that gets you saved. It's you confessing that He is Lord. You're not just saying, you are Lord. You're also saying, you're my Lord. Hello? When you say, you're set, a, you're set apart and hallowed be thy name, you're saying, you're not just set apart, you're not just holy, you are holy to me, you are set apart for me, you are my God. And you're confessing it. And if you, if, if he's your God, then you belong to him. It says we're bought with a price in first Corinthians. We're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. And so God is holy to us. And you can just, you can just start from that and just meditate on that. And by the time you get to the end, I guarantee you, it'll be an hour, it'll be up. Could you not pray with me one hour? And uh, so holy is your name. Well, that word hello originally comes from the word hello. When you say hello, uh, originally, you were saying, I regard you as someone that I set myself apart for and that you have set yourself apart from to me. It's a, it's a recognition that you, see, when you say God is holy, you are saying, God, you are very valuable to me. There's nothing in this world worth more to me than you. All the gold, all the silver. It's good to get healed. Praise God. That was great. But I would. I wouldn't take perfect health. Not that I, I'm not saying I don't want it. But if I was the best athlete in the world, I wouldn't take that in place of my relationship with God Almighty. Just for the love of Him. And yet He does want to do those things for us. And He does those things for us. And so when you say to somebody as hello, you're saying, you are very, very valuable to me. Isn't that beautiful? Now, by the way, uh, it's funny because they had this, I don't even know if it was a Geico commercial or whatever, but you have Alexander Graham Bell in the balcony, and he gets a phone call. And the whole, he's interrupting the play that's going on. Hello? Uh, no, he, well, he says, oi, oi. Remember that? Oi, oi. And he says, oh, no, this is one. You want two. 
You, you get that? There's only two phones in the world. You want, you're calling number one. I have, my phone number is one. You want number two. <laughs> you remember that? Well, uh, did you know that originally that's exactly what uh, Bell wanted as a response to answering the phone? You didn't say hello. You said oi oi, which comes from uh, the, the, the original. It comes from the ship things. You know, when you say, what do you say when you come into fog and you say, huh, what? It's not that hard. It's not a trick question. What do you say? Ahoy there. Yeah. Ahoy. Ahoy. And that's where, hoy hoy. And that's what he wanted the phone to be answered with. But uh, society said, hello. But I hope this, when you say hello, how much that you're saying how much you love somebody. I love you when I say hello. And in, in, a, in a Neil Diamond's song, I think about you night and day. Think about you all the time. I want to think about God all the time. I have come to believe that when I'm not thinking about him, I've wasted day. I want my life to be a psalm for him. I want it to be praised him. I want to, I want it to be worthy that he is worthy to me of my day, which means my time. Hallelujah. Look at the whole page here. Don't worry. Harry, you got, are you, have you commissioned somebody? Rodney, is that, are you doing, uh, well, let's have a music, okay, for the kids to come up. Hallelujah. I want to want. I want to want. You know, uh, John Piper wrote a book called when, when Men Desire God. And then he wrote another book, When Men Don't Desire God. And he says, if you don't desire God, Jesus said when he broke bread with them, uh, out of a, a, a intense desire, I have a great desire, have I desired to do this with you. God desires us. He wants us to desire Him. And if you don't, you can. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. Did you, do you even know, please don't, I don't want to be condescending here. So I'm going to anyway. So anyway, do, did you, did you know what that said in context there? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Do you know the context of that? At least you're honest. It's being content in every situation. That's what he says. I have learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and everything I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. I can do all things through Christ with strength of me. What he said, you know what the word content comes from? It comes from the word content or contain. What he's talking about is if God, if Jesus is dwelling your heart by faith, if Jesus is in your heart and you, the fullness of God is in you, then that's enough. You're content with what you contain what's on the inside of you. And what's on the inside of you is Christ, the hope of glory. So you're content with that. And when you are content with that, you can do anything. God will strengthen you to do anything because you're content on the inside. I know how to be abound. I know how to be abased. I, everywhere in everything, I've been instructed to be full and to be hungry. I can do all things through Christ with strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Amen.
They're coming. God, thank you, Lord, for loving us. I want to want you. This is what John Piper says. If you don't want God, then pray to, for, to, if you don't desire God, pray for it. God, I want to desire you. I want to desire you with desire. That means full, fully desire you. Can't live a second without you. I have to be, uh, it's intentional. It's intentional, like the word, word that came from MMFI, Bishop Callahan. It's intentional. You have an intention. I intend to love you. I intend to worship you. I intend to feed from the cup of truth, from your word, to eat your word. God said he magnified his word above his name. I love your word. In the beginning was the word. I love your word. I worship your word. Jesus is the word. I worship him. Hallelujah.